Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Psalm 32. This is a psalm of King David, and this is coming from the English Standard Version. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I do not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and a brittle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteousness, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Now, this psalm has five parts. If you'll notice, it kind of breaks up nice and neat. In the first two verses, you have this blessing. So what what is the blessing all about? The blessing is one who has forgiveness of their sins. There's this sense of having guilt before God. So blessed is the person that can sleep well at night, that knows that God has forgiven their sins, one that doesn't have to worry about what they've done, things they've left undone, and things that they've done in their life. A person that can sleep uh, the sleep of the innocent. There is a blessing there. And you've been there, you're there right there, right now, and you know what that's like to feel like God has forgiven you, and you can rest easy in knowing that. This passage, the first two verses, is actually quoted in Romans chapter 4. probably sounds familiar to you. Paul uses this in his argument in the book of Romans about justification by faith. So there is this blessing for people whose sins have been covered. Now we know the covering for our sins comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. We talked about that as Christians for for years, being covered in the blood of Jesus. And that may sound strange to non-believers, like how could you be covered in the blood of someone? So it's this metaphorical sense in which the sacrifice across the blood that he shed makes atonement for us. And so there's this idea of covering and the idea of the day of atonement covering for our sin. So there's blessing in the first two verses. Then in the next segment, there's this example that he gives, a personal example. So think of David in the assembly. This would be assembly language. This would not be some individualistic psalm. And just to to take a sidebar here for a second, When you read the Psalms, realize most of these are meant for corporate worship. I really see this trend in evangelical churches uh, towards individualism. You know, it's me and my Bible and my online church and those kinds of things. That's really not how the Bible was written. It was meant to be in community. I'm really afraid. We already had a, a massive malady in this country when it came to individualism, and I think COVID has just made it 90,000 times worse. But this is assembly language. This is within the heart of a worshiping community. So he's talking about he kept silent. And when you keep silent and there is unconfessed sin, it will rot away at you. 
So the way to healing is confession. Now, that's strange for, for modern people. We, we're not comfortable with this idea of confession. But David, in some way, is, is okay with this idea of confessing among God's people. There's healing there. And so when you hold that in and you've got sin and it's unconfessed sin, it eats away, it rots at you. And you don't have that blessing that the first two verses talked about. So in verse 5, he says, I acknowledge my sin to you. So he's acknowledged, I didn't cover my iniquity. So there's this play on words going on here that blesses the one whose sins are, are covered. And then this idea of, I didn't cover up my sin. I was fully before your gaze, Lord, you see me as I am. Coram Deo in your presence. Um, I have nothing to hide. I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to be honest with God because he already knows. So why should I hide it from him? He knows my sin. So there's something didactic. There's something that's good for us to confess and for other Christians to see that we struggle too. Now, some churches handle this in their worship service through what you would call corporate liturgy. Liturgy is just the the way you organize your worship service. And everybody has liturgy, even if they say they don't, they do. Everybody has an order of worship that they follow. Some churches will do a corporate confession of sin. I do think there's something powerful in that when a group of people comes together uh, on a day of, of worship, on the Lord's Day particularly, and they confess sin together when the, with general statements. But I do think there is this sense of individual confession too where you need to own up to your sins and, and what you're struggling with. So confession leads to, to good things. Holding it in is going to rot your soul. Then in verses 6 and 7, we get the third segment. This is what some call an exhortation. So now he's saying, everyone who is godly, offer prayer in a time when you don't need God. Now, what he's saying here, and one the commentaries that I've read said this, and this is hard for some people to swallow, that don't call on God just when you're in a time of crisis, that he may not be available. Now, that sounds kind of difficult for Christian ears to hear, but that's where the psalmist is coming from here. There's this idea of we need to be in prayer to God at all times, not just when we need God, not just when we're in a, a time of crisis. Now, of course, if you're in a time of crisis, please cry out to God. I'm not saying that God shuts his ears to us just because we haven't been faithful in our prayer life all the time, but that it, that does seem to be where he's going with this in this segment, that just don't go to God in, in your time of trouble. That God um, is your hiding place. This is where you should be all the time, is in prayer to God. So he says, if you're godly, offer a prayer at a time where you may be found. So look at verses 8 and 10, and you'll notice there's another segment here, admonition. So we go from exhortation to admonition. And he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you. So now he's this teacher. So we've gone from, hey, it's blessed to be forgiven. Hey, you need to confess your sin. Don't If you don't confess your sin, it's going to rot away at you till, uh, to you need to pray to God and seek God when it's not a time of trouble. God should be your hiding place at all times. To this admi- admonition, don't be like a dumb animal. I mean, animals don't have ethical uh, faculties. They don't think through decisions like a horse and a, and a donkey. They don't think through ethical decisions. They just act on their instincts. So the psalmist is saying, don't be like some dumb animal that's just driven by instinct. You need to 
be a person of wisdom and a person of self-control in the Lord. And then here at the end, the very final part, verse 11, there is this call to praise. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy all you upright in heart. So you have this full circle. It begins with this idea of blessed is the one who's forgiven, and at the end, this call to praise God. So once again, five parts in this psalm today that, that we looked at. There's the blessing for those whose sins have been forgiven. Thank God for that. And we experience that in Jesus Christ. A personal example of confession. Confession is good. Whether it's corporate or individual, we need to confess our sins. Then there's the exhortation. In your prayer life, don't just go to God in prayer when you need something or it's a crisis event. God is your hiding place and your refuge. Be in prayer to Him at all times. Then the admonition. Don't be like some animal with just instincts. Be a person of wisdom, of self-control. And then finally, it's a call to praise. To be glad in what God's done for you. Rejoice in what God has done. Be a joyful person. Well, that was a pretty simple psalm today, pretty straightforward. And I hope these five things were easy for you to see and that you took something away from Psalm 32. Uh, we'll be back into the life of Christ with our podcast for the rest of this week. Uh, so starting tomorrow, we'll look at more from the life of Jesus Christ in his earlier years in the birth narrative. And I'm looking forward to that. And I hope you are too. Well, you have a wonderful and a blessed day. And I will see you tomorrow.